You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, this is Katie, and it's another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today, I have Jana Champagne, who is the owner and founder of Integrated Holistic Care, which is a nonprofit organization in Southern Oregon that specializes in educating consumers about cannabis. And we also have Cameron Keep, who is a holistic nurse consultant, and she is from Idaho. Okay, guys, you know, I'm going to be a little transparent here and tell you that one, I don't know too terribly much about cannabis. And two, I had no idea there was a need for education because in my <laughs> ignorance, I thought it was all the same. I thought cannabis was cannabis. So you have a lot of educating to do here. <laughs> yeah, and that's a common misconception, so don't feel bad. <laughs> all right, so Jenna, why don't you start um, and tell us just kind of your background. How did you even get into this? Um, you know, how did you start out as a nurse? Well, it's funny. So many cannabis nurses have very similar stories. And, and so it's just know that this is, this is a path that many of us walk because this is where life has brought us. And in my case, uh, you know, I was working in an acute care hospital. Um, I have background in orthopedics, neurology, and also critical care cardiac. I worked in the cath lab where we were pulling arterial lines and pushing propofol for cardioversions. Um, and recovering patients from um, cath lab procedures. So pretty high-level nursing. Uh, I was also at the time working on my master's degree, which uh, uh, was a big undertaking. And I became very ill. My immune system basically crashed out of the blue. And, uh, and I became very disenchanted with the options that nature offered. And I'm a big researcher. I, I told people, hungry brain syndrome. So I'm always kind of looking for answers and looking for underlying causations and, uh, and came upon cannabis. And I really credit cannabis for having saved my life. Um, I was diagnosed with a lot of very serious uh, issues, including chronic renal failure. Um, my pancreas had shut down. I'm 5'8". I was down to 113 pounds at one point, size zero, skin and bones. Um, my, and on top of my immune system being lacking, I had a lot of inflammatory issues in my joints and, and my neurological system. And I, I was non-functional for several years, and cannabis turned that around for me. Um, another big area of passion for me is cannabis for autism. Um, I have a daughter with autism, and cannabis actually spared her out of home placement. So that's, that's huge. I mean, this is a big issue that kids with autism are, are running into around the time of puberty. Uh, we actually have coined the term puberty crisis to, to describe, you know, the level of issues that these kids have. And, um, and a lot of kids around the time of puberty end up being placed in foster care or out of home care because of safety issues. And I'm a homeschooling mom, so this is not something I took lightly. And cannabis spared that for my daughter. It helped make her behaviors manageable. Um, I know now through research that, you know, endocannabinoid deficiency or lack of vital nutrient cannabinoids in our bodies is actually very, very closely linked with autism. So that's another big area of passion and research that I've undertaken. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> those are some pr pretty big areas. So when you yes. say cannabis saved your life, like, how do you mean? Like, what happened? Um, like, how did you even come across cannabis? 
Uh, well, it, it was actually my husband's idea for me to try cannabis. Um, like I said, I was having a lot of different issues, um, had been diagnosed renal failure, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, um, brain fog. I had to quit school because I couldn't think anymore. Um, and I was non-functional for a couple of years. And because of the pain issues I was having, my husband said, why don't you try cannabis for pain? You know, as nurses, all of us have seen the result of chronic pain medication addiction. And I knew I didn't want to go down that path. But at the same time, I wasn't able to function. So I started cannabis for the pain issues, and it was very effective for alleviating my pain and helping me be more functional. It actually lifted my brain fog. It got rid of a lot of the brain inflammation I was dealing with. And, uh, and helped me to be able to think again. I got my brain back, which was huge. Uh, I was also on long-term antibiotics because they found underlying chronic infections you know, because of the immune deficiency piece of all of this. And uh, I had been dependent on antibiotics for 18 months. Started cannabis therapy. Uh, my next step with my doctor was a PICC line and IV receptin because nothing else was working. And cannabis actually helped me to wean off of the antibiotics and remain stable off of them which, you know, six months prior to starting cannabis, my doctor took me off antibiotics and I crashed. I was bed bound. I was suicidal. I mean, it was it, it, just a marked difference in, in my body's ability to fight infection with the cannabis. And, and research now, you know, in retrospect supports that cannabis will kill MRSA. Um, I've seen it resolve a Marcon's infection in one of my patients. So we know that that's, that's a huge piece as well. And, and it was for my health, certainly. So how did you find a practitioner that was able to prescribe what type of cannabis you needed and, and um, how did you get that treatment? Yeah, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of practitioners, at least at this time, it was you know, five years ago, they were able to do that. And so this was just a solo journey. Like I said, my, my purpose for the cannabis was to alleviate pain and avoid opioid pain medications. And, uh, and in retrospect, and through researching after the fact, like, why did it work so well for my infections? Oh, this is why it works. So a lot of it has been retrospective. Um, and my learning was, was mostly a solo journey. You know, I was in a situation where, um, you know, I was cut off of disability, uh, which I had been on and couldn't start working in 20 or keep working in 2012. And, um, and, you know, because I wasn't following the immunosuppressant therapies that were being recommended by my rheumatologist for lupus. But I also had these labs showing I was already immunosuppressed and fighting a lot of rampant underlying infections. So why would I suppress my immune system further? So it, it was a lot of, this doesn't make sense for my condition. The mainstream treatments just didn't make sense. I couldn't swallow them. You know, my natural, my natural killer cell level uh, was six and the within normal limits for that test was 60 to 360. And my rheumatologist wanted to put me on methotrexate, which has a side effect of cancer. And your natural killer cells are your first defense against cancer. So it just logically, it didn't make a lot of sense. And that's what had me start looking at alternatives. Um, and, and I'm now 90% functional. I have been for several years. I'm considered in remission from the lupus. My, my lupus lab zero converted. So I'm now negative for lupus. So it's, it's done a lot of underlying work as well that I wasn't even expecting. It was just sort of an added bonus. Mm -hmm. And then when we see what it does and the impact it has, this is where a lot of cannabis nurses start. We see positive impact in ourselves or in a loved one or in a friend. And we start to research and we realize there's this huge database of NIH and you know, science direct research supporting cannabis for specific uses. 
And it's all been, you know, completely dismissed by most mainstream doctors because cannabis is a schedule one drug. And that scares a lot of them from looking any further. Hmm. Yeah, no, that is interesting. It's, uh, it's, because to me, like, there's still that um, just stigma, I guess, that, you know, you have the, the college kids that are kind of stoned out and like, uh, right. that's the perception. So when yeah. people start talking about cannabis, you, you just imagine a whole society of people that are like zoned out or something. And that's not, doesn't sound like the case at all here. <laughs> not, no, it actually, it got rid of my brain fog. So it did sort of the opposite of what that stigma tells people and the stigma is very deliberate you know cannabis even being a schedule one placement is pure hypocrisy um the federal government has has it placed as schedule one and the criteria for schedule one include that it must not be medicinal at all and yet on the other hand our federal government holds a patent for cannabis as medicine is patent number 6630507. So, so cannabis does not meet the criteria for Schedule 1. Another Schedule 1 criteria is that it must be harmful. And we know in 5,000 years of historical use, cannabis has never caused a single death. So it really doesn't belong on Schedule 1 placement. And I contend the reason it's there is because it's the number one competitor to all pharmaceuticals. Hmm. That's the real reason. It's a profit-driven reason for it being scheduled that way. And uh, in fact, back in the 80s, there was a DEA judge that decided that cannabis didn't meet the criteria for schedule one and they were going to overturn it and deschedule it and it was it was stopped it was stopped in its tracks i mean it should have been descheduled back in the 80s and here we are 20 years later 30 years later still fighting it 40 yeah (laughs) yeah long time time. time. Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. okay so tell me more about like the different types of cannabis that there are Oh, gosh, the cannabis plant is very complex. (laughs) Um, You know, we think of it as one thing, or a lot of people think cannabis is one thing. But realistically, when you break down the plant components, there's over 140 cannabinoids. And that would be, you know, the THC, the CBD, the raw forms. uh, And then there's over 200 terpenes. And the terpenes, you can think of those as essential oils. And a lot of the terpenes are synonymous with essential oils we find in other plant life. And those, in their own right, have got a lot of medicinal value. And so really what we do um, through integrated holistic care is we, we take more of an individualized approach to our cannabis education for that patient. And we try to we do a very comprehensive background in history. You know, we assess the patient's diagnosis and their symptoms and what is their priority for the cannabis therapy. Um, we also look at risk factors like cardiac conditions um, or pharmaceutical interactions that might be possible and really help to educate that patient and reduce any of those risk factors that might be present. And really our goal is to help them optimize their cannabis therapy outcomes okay. for medicinal use specifically. So, so Cameron, um, how did you, what is kind of your background and how did you get into cannabis nursing? Well, I think as most of us who are cannabis nurses, I don't think we expect to be here. And I think if you would have told me I'd be doing this a few years ago, I would have thought you were crazy. (laughs) My background is is a little similar, but different to Jana's. Um, I've been a nurse for 17 years, primarily in oncology. And I have, I, I think it's fair to say that I was not a fan of cannabis. I was, I was not pro cannabis. I think if my patients were using it, I was fairly apathetic towards it. I didn't mind if they used it. I, you know, I would just like encourage them to do what was helpful for them. But I just, it wasn't an area I pursued or looked at. And I'm in Idaho, which is probably one of the most conservative illegal states in the country. 
So, I mean, that was a factor as well. But I'm a holistic nurse. And strangely enough, I've always believed in plant medicine. I studied aromatherapy, herbalism. And a few years ago, about three years ago, probably, I was listening to a health summit and was there was a doctor and he was talking about CBD and the endocannabinoid system, which like many of us, I'd, I'd never heard of. I didn't even know what this was. And so I've just come to learn how this is really our physiologic system for maintaining homeostasis. And I, it just really caught my attention and I began to just really sift through the information to kind of get beneath the stigma and the myth that I myself had really bought into to learn more about this plant. I mean, this is a master plant. So I was just, I don't know, something lit up inside of me and I just started to study everything I could about our bodies and how our bodies were almost like built for this plant and how they work together. And I began to seek teachers. I looked out there to see who was, was working in this area as a nurse. I looked at the American Cannabis Nurses Association. I took their course. Through that, I found a nurse out of California, Eloise Deason, who's she's actually a nurse practitioner with a company called Radical Health. And I was lucky enough to connect with her, and I took her training and just went deeper and deeper into it. And then that's how I met Jana and started communicating with her and, and then had an opportunity to join her team. And, you know, I mean, again, because my personal I don't have the ability to really use it as much as I would like to because of where I live, but I couldn't deny the science. I couldn't deny what I was seeing, what I was reading about the benefits of this. I knew my patients were using it, and I knew that they would come into the hospital and ask us about it, and most of the time the doctors were just saying, it's fine, don't worry about it, which in a lot of cases that's true. It's a very safe medicine, but if used inappropriately or used in a certain way, it can be harmful, as with I was anything, especially around cancer, where people are often using extremely high doses. And I just saw the need for education, for advocacy. And the more I learned, the more I realized how complex this was, and that I just frankly wanted to devote my life to it. So I find myself here uh, in this lucky position to really help, really shift the perception and to help people get beneath the stigma and really look at the science, because that's what turned me around. Because I was, like I said, I was really not, um, not an advocate of it. But you really can't, you can't ignore the science and the benefit of this. Right, and and Cameron, that's kind of like where you were a couple of years ago. That's kind of where I am, and I'm just kind of like, well, what is all the hype around this? Because I haven't read any of the research, and you know, I feel myself being pulled in this direction, like all these people are yeah. talking about it. And then there, I find companies like this, you, you know, your companies uh, that is educating people on it. And, you know, I just, I, I need to know more. I need to, <laughs> to hear more about this. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Um, Jenna, how did you decide to start your company or when did you start it? Uh, where did this come out of? So I actually started off in this industry as a grower. I began growing my own medicine. Um, as I said, I was disabled, you know, my immune system was, was in the garbage and I couldn't do hospital work any longer. Um, my disability paychecks had been cut off because I chose not to do immunosuppressant therapy. And so I was in this situation where I, I, I needed to be able to, to make a living and, and growing was something I could do. It was actually very therapeutic. Uh, it was my physical therapy. I started rebuilding my muscle mass and I started, you know, being able to be active. So that's, that was part of my healing process as well. And in growing, I began to learn about the different strains and different components and began growing for other patients. And 
choosing strains specifically for them. And that led to making different medicinal products, you know, from concentrated oils to tinctures to edibles to topicals. And then that, that kind of led into learning how to individualize the different cannabis uh, options specifically to that patient's needs. And that just naturally led into doing cannabis nursing and applying the medical knowledge and, you know, the pharmaceutical interaction knowledge. Um, and so that's how mine all came together. And, and it started off just, you know, I worked with Eloise Thiessen for a while as an independent consultant for her business when it was Green Health Consultants. Um, and, you know, she was one of my mentors as well. And, you know, we had this great group of nurses through a couple of different affiliations that, that are very open source and willing to teach other nurses and realizing how important it is for this knowledge to get out. So I've been very, very blessed to be part of, of that. And, and we're continuing to learn, you know, it's, it's not mm -hmm. that anybody knows everything. And, and I think that's part of, as nurses, we sometimes feel like we need to know everything about our specialty, but with cannabis, we're still learning. Research is still emerging. You know, in 10 years, what we know now is going to pale in comparison. So there has to be this open-mindedness about continuing to learn and, uh, and let our knowledge evolve as, as research uh, shows us more uses for this plant. So now in Oregon, you can, it's, it's legal to grow your own uh, cannabis plants, right? Yes, it's pretty, but, pretty freely available in Oregon. <laughs> but that's not true yeah. in all 50 states, right? It's, no, it's not. It's not. Is it, how many states do you know where you can do that? Um, so in, it, I believe there are over half of the states in the nation have medical cannabis laws. And then there's a handful that have cannabis recreational laws, meaning that, if, you know, for anybody 21 or over, it's fairly freely available. Um, growing laws in Oregon, anybody over 21 can grow four plants without any paperwork, no regulations, no oversight. Um, but for medical, it, it does differ a little bit. It's a little more restrictive. Okay, so do you, for medicinal, medicinal purposes, do people smoke marijuana, or is, is that just kind of an old school thing that I'm thinking of, or is so, it, just, yeah, like oils yeah. and stuff? So there's a great video by Dr. David Allen on the endocannabinoid system, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's pretty easy to find, and it's a three-minute video, but he, he makes a very profound statement basically certifying that all, all cannabis use is medical, even smoking. And he, he refers to a retroactive study that was done on cannabis smokers, you know, people that had smoked cannabis for 20 years versus those that hadn't. And the incidence of diabetes was far less in those that smoked cannabis versus those that did, that did not. And he, he cites the, the oxidative protection of cannabis to the beta cells of the pancreas. And so, you know, while I, I often will tell my clients smoking is not the most optimal form, which I agree with. Um, you know, smoking can certainly be great for things like symptom management um, or just supporting long-term health. That said, what we tend to recommend would be concentrated oils or cannabis tinctures because we know those are going to absorb into the system more readily. They're going to give you that underlying homeostasis balance more effectively than, you know, these other forms like smoking or vaping that might be better for recreational use. Um, you know, there's also a great variety of products on the market and not all of them are formulated for to be optimal for medicine. There's a lot of products that are better for recreational use or symptom management. And so we teach patients about that every day as well.
So now your company doesn't actually sell the tinctures or the oils or the, the edibles or anything like that, right? No, absolutely not. We don't benefit from the sales of any product. So why did you choose not to go down that route? I think it's an important distinction for our patients. You know, we need to remain patient focused. And a lot of, a lot of times when people veer off into doing product formulations, um, I feel like a lot of them become more profit focused. And our job is to objectively teach our patients what's optimal for them. And so I think they feel really good when we say we don't benefit from the sales of any product. This is who we recommend for you because they meet our criteria for medicine for no other reasons. So I, I don't know. I, I feel really good about being able to do that. I think it's important. Yeah, no, that, that does sound very important, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you do your, it looks like you do an initial health consultation with the patient and then you do genetic screening as well. What, what's that about? Um, the genetic screening is sort of an aside. Um, you know, another big hitter for my own health was applying nutrigenomics, which is genetically individualized nutrition therapies um, and supplementation. And basically, it's, it's, a, it's a very comprehensive and intensive assessment of an individual's genetic profile um, where we can, we can assess mutations and the impact of those mutations on, on underlying biochemical processes. It's basically, you know, from a holistic view, it's, it's another way to target contributors to imbalances that are causing the symptoms of chronic illness and help to mitigate those. And really, we like to look beyond the cannabis therapy in our assessment as well. We look at diet, we look at lifestyle, we look at sleep patterns, stress management. Um, because realistically, if, if a patient is not willing to address some of those contributing factors to their disease, their outcomes are not going to be as optimal as, you know, and, and we do, we have like cancer patients that just want to use the cannabis and nothing else. And we tell them, you know, if you're willing to cut the sugar out of your diet, if you're willing to look at stress management, if you're willing to, to do some of these other supplements to support your immune system, you're likely to have better outcomes than just using cannabis alone. Okay. And how do you guys determine if the cannabis that you recommend is safe or, you know, that it's not laced with stuff? I mean, do you have like um, people that you work with or farms that you work with? Uh, we do. We have, we have suppliers that we have screened uh, to meet our criteria for optimal medical formulations. And it's very simple criteria. Basically, we want it organic. Uh, there is no organic certification in the United States for cannabis because it's Schedule 1. But there are clean green certifications for cannabis. And, you know, we can certainly, um, you know, our second criteria is lab testing. And lab testing will reflect any contaminants that are left over in that formulation. Um, lab testing is also important for knowing exactly what's in that formulation. Because strain names really don't tell the story. There's so many different phenotypes of every strain. Um, there's a lot of mix-ups with growers. You know, they might mix up tags and then you think a plant is one thing and it turns out it's something else. So lab testing, we want to know what's in it. We want to know the potency. We want to rule out contamin any contaminants. So that piece is important. Uh, third criteria is we want it concentrated as we turn 10. And this is one that trips up a lot of suppliers. There's a big trend right now with CO2 extraction. And basically what that's doing is fractionating and isolating different components of the plant and then trying to bring them together uh, while removing really beneficial components like the antioxidants and bioflavonoids and essential fatty acids and chlorophyll. And, you know, what we've seen in outcomes with patients is that the isolates and fractionated components don't have that same synergy as what you get with whole plant medicine. And we now have research to support that as well, that they've actually done side by side for breast cancer and seizures and 
you know, a few other conditions and whole plant is, is by far superior. So this is one of the things we teach. And then CBD, the fourth criteria for CBD specifically, we don't recommend any products that are derived from industrial hemp. And this is because you're going to get the best medicine from this flower and hemp is really sparse in flower. Um, and it takes about 10 times the amount of industrial hemp to, to make the same potency of medicine. So, so what, what is hemp, Jenna? What, what, how would you describe that? Um, hemp, so when you're looking at the federal regulations around hemp, there are cannabis producers that have hemp licenses. And basically what that entails is certifying that their product contains less than 0.3% THC. So there are high CBD cannabis flowering plants that produce really concentrated CBD with less than 0.3% THC and they'll classify them as hemp. So this, this term gets a little tricky. Um, industrial mm -hmm. hemp are very tall, stocky plants, very sparse in flowers, mostly leaves and stems. Um, and those also produce a scant amount of, of CBD, um, but it's really not optimal for medicine. Industrial hemp is better for textiles and building materials and things, and things of that nature. Okay. Not as optimal for medicine. Okay, but some people sell the industrial hemp as medicine? Is, is that what you mean or is there another use? Yeah, some people do. And, it, you know, part of the pause with that is that a lot of times um, really concentrated industrial hemp oil is imported into our country. So that leaves question about, you know, whether they're following regulations that we would consider organic. Um, hemp is also a bioaccumulator. So they've planted it very prolifically, like around the Chernobyl accident. Um, it'll clean the soil, which makes it great for the environment that way. But then if they're pressing out the stock to make medicine is probably, you know, a little questionable <laughs> to be using something like that. Yeah. So there, there's not a lot of regulations about that. So that's why we really try to stick to U.S. grown cannabis flower that's high CBD, qualifies as hemp. And some of the producers have started to differentiate their products by saying they're derived of medical hemp instead of industrial hemp. So that's kind of a new trend we're seeing as well. Okay. Um, this is all extremely complicated. Now I appreciate why <laughs> you guys exist. Why we specialize in this. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, clearly no, this, is, exactly. <laughs> this is not something that, um, you know, we learn in nursing school, NP no. school, doctor school, whatever school you're going to. So this is all stuff that you've learned on your own, right? Largely. I mean, there are some great Large, yeah. resources out there for nurses who want to learn more. So. Right. Uh, but as a patient, if I wanted to start something like this, uh, you know, to, it just seems extremely overwhelming to go out and try and figure out everything. You know, I'm not even sure what you've said to me, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> like <it's> yeah, I, <laughs> think that, I think it's important to, you know, really recognize that this is really a specialty and that there's a lot of benefit to talking with somebody who is familiar with this plant and how to use it because I mean with CBD for example there are interactions with that when used in higher doses and a lot of people don't realize that I've even seen you know little videos on Facebook recently where they're like you know CBD is completely safe and there's no drug interactions and no side effects and well that's true to a point you know there are definitely considerations to using cannabis therapeutically that need to be kept in mind. And as you're hearing just from Jana, just all the different cannabinoids and terpenes, all the different factors, and really figuring out the best way for that person and their individual situation 
the medications they're on, their goals, the method of administration to really look at the best way for them to go about it. Do you have a, an example of someone that you've like just recently helped that had called you and said, you know, I need help making choices? Like, um, well, so basically we do an individualized consultation. We do a comprehensive background in history. We're looking at all of these, uh, you know, these, these ways that we can individualize and target our education for that patient to help them know what to look for. That, you know, it's, it's basically an educated guess of, of which cannabis components might best fit their situation. And, and what this alleviates for them a lot of times is going into a dispensary and, you know, there's sometimes thousands of products on the shelf and right. knowing how to whittle that down to the products that are most likely going to, to help them meet their goals for the cannabis therapy without going through all of that experimentation and trying this product and trying that product and trying this product. Um, and so that's a big piece. The other piece is the, you know, the pharmaceutical interaction piece. We know, you know CBD uses the CYP450 pathway in the liver for metabolism. Um, this pathway is synonymous with a lot of other pharmaceuticals, um, including things like warfarin. CBD will potentiate warfarin. And so there really is a potential there for harm. And, it, and cannabis overall is very safe. We want to protect the reputation of cannabis as being safe medicine. Mm -hmm. And it was used in our country as the predominant medicine for just about everything until 1938. And the difference today is that we have pharmaceuticals that people are taking. And so that brings in a lot of the risk factors that we assess and try to work around. Um, you know, and, and most people, most bud tenders aren't even aware that CBD interacts with pharmaceuticals. And so really we're, we, we're on a mission to try to teach patients how to, how to decrease those risk factors to educate industry employees like the bud tenders that, you know, at least ask your patient if you're taking pharmaceuticals, yes, then please seek medical oversight before taking this product. You know, we have untrained uh, salespeople giving out medical advice sometimes, yeah. and that's never a good scenario. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, we're get, people are getting a lot of education from the people who are selling the product. And I think something to just kind of even flip people's perceptions of who is coming to us. I mean, most of the clients I've worked with so far are between 78 and 80 years old. So there's the polypharmacy thing to consider. You know, they're coming to me for most of the time for cancer, since that's my background, but they're older patients. So, you know, we have to also look at balance and how they're using it safely. And, and, you know, again, like Janice said, and we've alluded to before, they're coming to us maybe with a product they've been using and want to know, is this really a good quality product? And um, I alluded to this fact earlier, but in the cancer population specifically, they tend to use really high doses of cannabis, um, exceptionally high, which in many cases can be counterproductive. And we can even see in certain types of cancer, it can possibly make the cancer progress. So it's so important to just kind of have a knowledgeable guide. And, and again, just really flip who's coming to us. It's, it's um, I don't think, you know, we're not going to see people who are using this recreationally. We're looking we're working with the people who are wanting to use this medicinally. And a lot of times that's older clients as well. How do these people find you? Like, how, what is the pathway generally? 
It just depends. You know, we don't do a lot of heavy marketing. Uh, if you look at our website, we're fairly incognito. We talk a lot about holistic nursing, you know, including cannabis therapy. It's not really focused on cannabis. Um, but oftentimes, I mean, we're finding that we'll work with a patient. A patient will go back to their doctor. And then sometimes we have the doctor contacting us saying, tell me about what you're doing. You know, how did my patient get these outcomes <laughs> under your advice type of thing? So we do have quite a few doctors that will refer patients to us um, in several states of the U.S. And, um, you know, we, we do independent consulting through a couple of other groups that are focused on cannabis education. So we, you know, we take referrals that way. Um, you know, we're starting to work with producers to help them um, determine what their formulations might be best marketed for specific to different symptoms or conditions. And so we're really doing our best to, to reach out in any way possible. Um, it, it, and really, it's it's growing pretty exponentially. The need is profound for this information. Yeah, but mm -hmm. uh, and when you started this company, did you envision this? Did you envision yourself as being a consultant to suppliers and and educating doctors and stuff? Is that what you kind of had in mind, or what were you thinking? You know, I really just wanted to be able to share this knowledge that I've gained. And to be honest, my work is very therapeutic. You know, my daughter and I have both been through a lot with our own health and a lot of. Um, you know, traumatic things that we've had to deal with and the fact that we're on the other side of it, the cannabis has helped us and we're able to share that knowledge with other people that are dealing with similar situations uh, is, it, you know, it gives everything we've been through purpose. So it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I tell people if I won the lottery, I would do this work for free. <laughs> so it's really yeah. a huge passion. It's very passion driven for me. Um, and I, I happen to work with a lot of children. I know, you know, Cameron mentioned working with a lot of uh, patients in the gerontology realm, but it's really, a, it's appropriate across the lifespan. And, mm -hmm. you know, I worked with a retired pharmacist a couple of weeks ago, and it was so funny because I was telling him all of these research studies that, that support cannabis for so many different conditions. He was, you know, I just don't understand how cannabis can be good for mental health issues and diabetes and cancer and autism and, you know, immune modulation and autoimmune and, you know, so many different things. How is that possible? I'm really skeptical. And it goes back to, you know, the pharmacy paradigm is usually one or two chemical components with a bunch of other fillers thrown in. The cannabis plant is over 450 active ingredients. And so part of what we're doing is, is trying to say, okay, well, you have a seizure, for example, cannabis is great for seizures. Um, and so we know that CBD has anti-seizure properties. We know that THCA has anti-seizure properties. We know that myrcene is a terpene also found in mangoes. It helps cannabis cross the blood-brain barrier. We know that linalol is another terpene found in cannabis, also synonymous to lavender that has anti-seizure properties in its own right. So we try to find ways to really individualize, um, you know, the components that we're telling that client to look for specifically to help fit their need. Mm -hmm. And, and do you see like um, just kind of like a snowball effect of cannabis really coming into, I guess, its own right at this point? Like what, what do you see as the future for cannabis? Oh, I think we're just right on the cusp of yeah. cannabis being fairly readily available. Um, I, you know, I, I really believe that once the profit structure is in place so that politicians will benefit from, from the sales of whatever medicine people choose, whether it be pharmaceuticals or cannabis, once they benefit equally, it's going to kind of be a free for all because they, they really, they can't continue to maintain the hypocrisy about it being schedule one. 
And so this, you know, we know that, that in, in states where medical cannabis laws exist, patients are benefiting from that. Pharmaceutical deaths are down. Um, opioid drug deaths are down. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very viable alternative to just about any pharmaceutical. Uh, and so this yeah. is where, you know, we're seeing the potential to really rev- revolutionize our healthcare system from being more of a profit focused to being more patient focused and giving patients that option to choose something that has fewer side effects most of the time over, you know, pharmaceutical uh, equivalents. And I don't even like the word equivalent because pharmaceuticals really don't have that that potentially healing capacity that cannabis does because of its, its promoting balance, which is often, you know, you think of any chronic illness, there's usually an imbalance underlying that's causing it. All right. Well, this has been like amazing conversation because like I said, uh, you know, I knew so little about cannabis and now I'm just like really intrigued. I mean, do you have any resources that you would send people to or, or what kind of, where would you send people to learn more about what you're doing or what, how they can learn more about cannabis? Um, sure. So American Cannabis Nurses Association is an association of nurses that are really, you know, trying to promote uh, that cannabis nursing is a, a bona fide uh, specialty and really promoting the professionalism of, of cannabis nurses. Um, the Cannabis Nurses Network is a newer association that is putting together resources to help advocate and recognize and educate nurses that want to learn about cannabis and open opportunities for them. Um, you know, there's uh, the Medical Cannabis Institute, TM, uh, TCMI, TMCI. Oh, uh, gosh. Which one is it, Cameron? Uh, so I'm trying, let me see if I, I can I think it's TMCI Global. I think so, too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little dyslexic sometimes. <laughs> uh, but they have an online course uh, through their organization that is kind of a basic foundational knowledge of the endocannabinoid system for nurses specifically. And they also have a, a, another medical professional course that's geared more towards physicians and clinicians. Um, and so really just, just digging in and learning uh, and, and doing a lot of our own research is really important too. You know, I have over 600 articles saved in my own catalog um, of condition-specific cannabis outcomes and, and research articles. And, and you know, people don't realize these aren't, these aren't articles out of High Times Magazine. These are NIH articles. They're found in Science Direct. They're found you know, on, on resources that we know are reputable. And a lot of them are foreign research studies just because of our status in the U.S. at being Schedule One that really limits our research. Um, but, but their studies are solid. You know, statistically, you can review them and you see that they've done it correctly. Well, how do we find out more information about what you and your company? Uh, so my company is Integrated Holistic Care. We're a Southern Oregon nonprofit. Um, and we can be found on the web. It's integratedholisticcare.com. And we have information there about our services. Uh, you know, we have three, three nurses right now that are actively working and a couple more in training. And we all kind of have different areas of specialty. And so our goal is to really expand our repertoire and be able to serve um, a bigger, a bigger group of clients. So yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I, like I said, I really love this conversation. And, uh, you know, is there anything final remarks that you want to make or anything final that you want to say? Um, before we end? I think we pretty well covered it. Cameron, do you have anything <laughs> else? It. No, I don't. No, I think we've covered it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you.